Christina Weiss for Hadar, Parashat Yitro, Perfect Individuality. The giving of the Torah is not a clear and direct process. First, God chooses to teach the Torah to B'nai Yisrael only indirectly, speaking to Moshe and having the people overhear. Then, the people choose to distance themselves even further. Even this mediated intimacy proves to be too much for the people, and they ask Moshe to go between them, so that the information is given from God to Moshe, and only then from Moshe to the people. All of the people did see the voices and the flashes of light and the voice of the horn and the smoke on the mountain. The people did see and they stood at a distance. They said to Moshe, you should speak with us and we will listen, and God should not speak with us lest we die. The people stood at a distance and Moshe approached the cloud where God was. Why is the process of receiving the Torah so fraught and complicated? And what is the story of that reception able to teach us? What is the fundamental anxiety that our forebears experienced in taking on this precious obligation? And in what ways is this anxiety still present? When we understand what B'nai Yisrael are truly afraid of in this divine encounter, we can see how it can be ameliorated. Not only do we have much to learn from the content of the Torah itself, we have a lot to learn from the way it was given. The following Midrash gives us insight into this fear. Rabbi Huda Omer, Yisrael Adonai Miyad Khazru, Ba'ulahem Amoshe, Amrulo Moshe Rabbeinu, Levayigalelanu Pam Shnia, Levayishakini, Minishikot Pihu, Levayitakat Hamutor Belibenu Kimbocha Haya, Amarlahem, Enzo Achshav, Aval Atid Lavo, Hu, Shen Amar, Venatati Atorati Bekirbam, Vialli Bam Echtavena. Rabbi Yehuda said, When Israel heard, I am Hashem your God, the study of Torah was fixed in their hearts, and they would learn without forgetting. They came to Moshe, and they said, Moshe, our teacher, you should become an intermediary between us. As it says, you should speak with us, and we will listen. And now, why should we die? What benefit is there to our loss? They went back to learning and forgetting. They said, maybe just as Moshe, who is human, will pass, perhaps his teaching will also pass. And they immediately regretted it, and came to Moshe and said to him, Moshe, our teacher, if only he would reveal himself to us a second time, if only he would kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, if only Torah study was fixed in our hearts like it was. He said to them, This is not for now, but it will be in the future. As it says, I will place the Torah in their midst, and I will write it on their hearts. Rabbi Nechemia Amar, Bishash Yisrael, lo 
Rabbi Nechemia said, When Israel heard, You shall not have any gods aside from me, the evil inclination was uprooted from their hearts. They came to Moshe and said, Moshe, our teacher, you should become an intermediary between us. As it says, you should speak with us and we will listen. And now why should we die? What benefit is there to our loss? Immediately the evil inclination returned to their hearts. They returned to Moshe and said to him, Moshe, our teacher, if only he would reveal himself to us a second time, if only he would kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. He said to them, This is not for now, but it will be in the future. As it is written, I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh. According to the plain sense of the Midrash and the pshat of the verses, the concern that B'nai Israel express here when they say what benefit is there to our loss is that they will physically die. There is something about being so close to God that is threatening to their physical human integrity. However, in the way that the Midrash is constructed, the concern about being lost or destroyed expresses itself not after hearing the sound of God's voice or even encountering his full presence. Rather, it is expressed after hearing the definitive and distinct commandments, I am Hashem your God and do not have other gods beside me. There is something about the content of what they hear that frightens them. Hearing and absorbing these statements has an effect on the people. Inscribing the Torah permanently on their hearts when they hear the positive articulation of God's existence, and removing the evil inclination when they hear the prohibition on according other false gods' legitimacy. It seems likely, then, that what B'nai Israel are responding to and are afraid of is not the encounter with God, but the two perfections that arise on account of this encounter. Perhaps the loss that B'nai Israel are concerned about is not the loss of their lives, but the loss of their identities. They do not want to become unified with God, indistinguishable from God or each other. They don't want to lose themselves in the enormity of the encounter. Sending Moshe to mediate enables them to learn a human Torah as human beings, not as angels. It allows them to accept the Torah and still have illicit longings or times when they will make mistakes. This reading, that B'nai Israel are afraid to lose their individual selves in receiving the Torah, is subtly encoded and reflected in a pair of seemingly unrelated Midrashim about Avraham and his progeny who are made to look just like him. The first appears in Bava Metziah, in the context of the miraculous birth of Yitzchak so late in the lives of his parents. Other people are suspicious of the veracity of this parenthood. God increases Sarah's ability to nurse infants in order to validate her claim to biological motherhood. And our Midrash continues with God's response to the challenges to Avraham's paternity. Avraham 
אל אברהם לא היה זקנה. מאן דהבה באי למשתאי בהדי אברהם, משתאי בהדי יצחק, בהדי יצחק, משתאי בהדי אברהם. עתה אברהם באה רחמי והבה זקנה, שנאמר ואברהם זקן בא בימים. And they were still spreading suspicion and saying, even if Sarah gave birth at 90, could Avraham impregnate at 100? Immediately the appearance of Yitzchak's face changed to look just like Avraham's. Everyone said, Avraham produced Yitzchak. Until Avraham, there was no old age. One who wanted to speak with Avraham would end up speaking to Yitzchak. With Yitzchak, would speak with Avraham. Avraham came and asked for mercy and old age came. As it says, Avraham grew old advanced in years. In this Midrash, Avraham is concerned that his identity is being lost. Because Avraham looks so much like Yitzchak, people are confusing father and son. God responds to the anxiety that Avraham expresses by giving him the look of life experience. He appears aged, and therefore people know that he is Avraham. In Midrash Shmot Rabbah, we see this image repeat itself. In the Talmud, God proved Avraham's paternity by making Yitzchak look indistinguishable from his father. And in this Midrash, about the giving of the Torah, God makes Moshe look just like Avraham in order to make a point to the angels. Alita lamarom shavita shevi. bikshu malachi you ascended on high and you captured spoils. At that time, when Moshe ascended Har Sinai to receive the Torah, the ministering angels wanted to harm Moshe. God made the appearance of Moshe's face look just like Avraham's. The Holy Blessed One said to them, Aren't you embarrassed before him? Isn't this the one who you descended to and you ate in his house? The Holy Blessed One said to Moshe, The Torah was only given in Avraham's merit. As it says, You took gifts by a human. And the human who is being referred to here must be Avraham, as it says, the human great among giants. That is, Moshe ascended on high to God. In this Midrash, the angels believe that humans, exemplified by Moshe, are unworthy of receiving the Torah, and they try to attack his human body in order to demonstrate his vulnerability as a person and his undeservingness. However, God steps in to protect Moshe by saying that he, and by extension anyone who receives the Torah, will be human in the same way that Avraham is human. By erasing Moshe's individuality, God is able to demonstrate to the angels that human beings are worthy of the Torah. The angels are comforted by this notion. The human beings can be angelic and therefore can merit receiving the Torah. However, by choosing Avraham as the face, as it were, of non-differentiation, the Midrash introduces us to an irony. Because Avraham himself, Avraham, the quintessential human, doesn't want Moshe to look just like him, just as he didn't want Yitzchak to look just like him. 
From the vantage point of an angel, dissolving one's individual self and one's personality to become just like everyone else in goodness and obedience is an ideal. This is the form of their service, singing to God in an undifferentiated unison. From the vantage point of a human being, however, this notion is very threatening. Who am I if I am an angel? Does serving God with devotion mean that I, as myself, will cease to exist? Rapsodika Cohen of Lublin addresses this question in his treatise on angels, Sichat Malachai Hasharet. There he argues that a person can become like an angel, but that becoming an angel doesn't mean losing one's individuality or sense of self. Ve'omnam, ha'adam hashalem asher yodaya, shekol tachlito mashani rabo lam hazeh la'asot raton Hashem, ve'alzeh nishtaleach, And indeed, the complete person who knows that his purpose in having been created in this world is to do the will of God, and for this he was sent, can have the description of angel be applied to him, truly and consistently, and that the constant goal of his heart and his intention are always inclined exclusively to the service of God, and the performance of his mission and his will, may God be blessed. Just as a person can be called a tailor or a doctor or something similar according to his profession, which is his exclusive business, so too this one can be called by the description angel. And so we have found. The lips of the priest guard wisdom, and they will seek Torah from his mouth, for he is the angel of the Lord of hosts. The explanation of this is as they have said. These priests are the messengers of God sent to do the service of him whose name be blessed. And therefore they say, who are the ministering angels? The rabbis. And it says there, and why do they call them ministering angels? Because they are outstanding, like the ministering angels. As they said, the gates that are outstanding were marked by halacha. Reb Sadok argues that human beings, regardless of whether or not we achieve perfection, can become like angels and should want to become like angels. Because what defines an angel is their task, but they are fully devoted to. A human being can be called and even become an angel through focus and determination in the service of God. However, he uses the analogy of different professions and professionals in order to describe the human-to-angel transformation. Just as one can be a doctor, so too one can be an angel. We all know that in order for society to function at its best, we need to have both tailors and doctors, people who devotedly use their own talents for the benefit of others and for the actualization of themselves. 
This can also be true within the service of God. You can be an angel who is devoted to prayer, an angel who is devoted to healing and supporting others, an angel who is devoted to charity, an angel who is devoted to Torah study. The multiplicity of angels in the firmament proves that there is no need to equate growth in the service of God with loss of self or the dissolution of one's unique identity. The Torah is there to grow you as you are, to perfect you in the ways that are unique to you, not to flatten all of humanity into a bland goodness. Accepting the Torah does not need to be, nor should it be, a negation of the self, but a roadmap in the quest for self-actualization in the realms of goodness, kindness, and service to one another and to God. Wishing you a Shabbat that is like no other. Shabbat Shalom. Thank you for listening to our weekly Divrei Torah. To see more from our archive, please visit hadar.org slash Torah.